This morning I want us to keep going in the story of Mark, and we're in chapter 6. And I think all of us are probably familiar enough with the life and the ministry of Jesus to, to, to recognize Jesus did not walk on the water every day. So there seemed to be a time when he would walk on the water. And so that's what I want us to see as we share together. Uh, if you were not with us last week, and even if you were with us, you may have forgotten. You know, we're kind of what seems to be like this climactic event. I mean, Jesus and the disciples fed 5,000 plus people with five loaves and two fish. And then there were 12 baskets of leftovers. And we really kind of left at this like, wow, that, that's incredible, incredible uh, lessons for the disciples to learn about their rest being delayed, about God's provision. And I was a bit surprised as I continued reading on that something else was going on between Jesus and the disciples that's worth us noticing. You see, when you get to the end of the paragraph we're going to read, there's two things. One, Jesus is walking on the water and he's going to pass them by. That's a very interesting statement. The other is that the disciples did not understand about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. So one would say the disciples of Jesus, even as close as they were to Jesus, even as much as they heard from Jesus, even as much as they saw, even the commissioning, the things that happened through them, they were not immune to the danger of falling into the attitude of the people which did not recognize its Messiah, but rejected him. So Jesus, the reason I think the timing of the walking on the sea, more details will come, is because they had not gained the insight into the Messiah in connection with the loaves. And their hearts were hardening because they didn't recognize that through the feeding of the 5,000, there was something else to learn about the Messiahship, the identity of Jesus, nor did they help others to recognize him. Now, hold on to all of that as we go. The flow of the story where we are, which I think, it, I think it's helpful You start back in chapter 6 with this rejection of Jesus. He goes to his hometown. He could do no deed of power there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people, cured them. He was amazed at their unbelief. His hometown folks did not believe that he was Messiah. The synonym of Messiah in Greek is king. We don't say king enough. We need to start saying king. And connected to that is son of God. Messiah, king, son of God. They did not recognized Jesus for who he was, so they rejected him. They did not believe. And then he sends the 12, after, right after that rejection, didn't slow him down. we got to get this announcement out. So he sends the 12 out, and they proclaimed that all should repent. All should change their mind about who Jesus claimed to be. I'm Messiah, King, Son of God. They cast out many demons and they anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. So now people are recognizing him. And demonstrations of the kingdom are happening. And then the fame of Jesus spreads. King Herod heard of it. For Jesus' name had become known. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, 
whom I beheaded has been raised. He did not identify Jesus as Messiah, King, Son of God. He identified Jesus, oh no, I'm in trouble. I beheaded John. John's come back from the dead and I'm in trouble because I bet he's coming after me. That's his thinking. So this interplay between people not recognizing Jesus as Messiah, King, Son of God, people recognizing Jesus as Messiah, King, Son of God, Herod not recognized. It's just going back and forth. And the only way that I would suggest is that I think it taps into the common purpose of the gospel writers. John puts it this way. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That you may come to believe that Jesus is King. That you may come to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that through believing you may have life in His name. So the announcement that Jesus comes with, this, uh, the arrival of the kingdom, the demonstration of the kingdom's arrival, the, all of that's authenticating the identity of Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the King. Jesus is the Son of God. And to believe in Him and to, to recognize Him for who He is means you receive life. And that's real life. And that's a lasting life. It's a quality of life. It's a quantity of life in His name. The story goes on. The apostles gathered around Jesus, told him all that they'd done in the communities around Galilee and what they taught. And he said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourself and rest a while. For many were coming and going. They had no leisure even to eat. So again, people recognizing who Jesus is. (coughs) And the disciples, some way, they're getting worn out (coughs) because of the crowds. And then you get to the feeding of the 5,000 when Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And they said, and I think they said it with a bit of sarcasm, a little bit of a snap. Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? I would suggest they did not recognize Jesus, the Messiah, the King, the Son of God in that moment. So the story after the feeding of the 5,000... After gathering of the 12 basket loads of leftovers, immediately, that's a key word in Mark. Mark is a fast flying book. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side. Jesus made his disciples get in the boat. You guys get in the boat (laughs) And, and head toward Bethesda, which is the hometown of Peter and Andrew and Philip. I believe Jesus is almost saying, you, got, you all need to go home because you didn't get it. He dismissed the crowds, and after saying farewell to them, Jesus went up on the mountain to pray. The last time Jesus was up on the mountain to pray is when he was asking his father, who are the twelve I am to appoint? When evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and Jesus was alone on the land. When he saw that they were straining at the oars against an adverse wind, 
he came towards them early in the morning, walking on the sea. Jesus intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. They cried out, for they all saw him, and they were terrified. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, said, Take heart, be courageous, it is I, do not be afraid. And then he got into the boat with them, the wind ceased, and they were utterly astonished, for they did not understand about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat. Something's going on where Jesus is saying, Hey, we're feeding the 5,000 here. I need you all to get in a boat, and I need you to head this way towards hometown. And as Jesus does that, Oh, Goodness gracious, I'm about to die. Let go of me. Oh, no, that's really bad. How in the world? I'm still connected. Okay, it's time for a song. Let me, no. Okay, I promise not to do that again. Okay, so then Jesus goes up above where the feeding of the 5,000 was for time to pray. Now, notice... This is somewhat what his vista would have been because he can see out over the Sea of Galilee. Remember, the Sea of Galilee, is, it's, it's the smallest sea. that It's a lake. So he can see them. What is he praying? Now, again, you know, when you're reading the Bible, you can read it just like woodenly. And you can, memorize, you can memorize verses woodenly, or you can like maybe jump into the story. And there are things behind the story. And we can respectfully read behind the lines. I, I just want to suggest to you, based upon Jesus, I'm going to pass him by? And they, they, didn't, they didn't recognize him in the feeding of the 5,000. I, I think Jesus went up and said, Daddy, did I get the right guys? Did I hear you right? You know, I've sent them home for a time, and I'm, I need to spend time with you. And just confer, is it, are these really the guys? Are they going to get it? Now, again, there's a timeline here. When the disciples come to Jesus and say, Hey, Lord, it's getting late. We need to feed the 5,000. Uh, late is approaching sunset. So we might back that up a little bit and just say, they said, you know, these folks need to be somewhere before the sun goes down where that's when we eat. So maybe between four and six, they say, you know, Jesus is getting to be the end of the day. There's not a place to get food. These people need to go home, disperse, give them some time so they can sit down and eat around sunset. And Jesus says, you give them something to eat. So then I would say, after the eating, again, somewhere around sunset, there's nothing. That's when the disciples get in a boat and they head toward Bethesda. And Jesus goes to pray. Now what is left out, but Mark gives it to us, is that they're in that boat 
rowing toward Bethesda between, let's say, sunset 6 to 8 to as long as 6 in the morning. If you just take 6 to 6, that's 12 hours they're in that boat, straining at the oars, trying to get to Bethesda. The fourth watch of the night is between 3 and 6. Sometime between 3 and 6, Jesus walks on the sea, intending to pass them by. If you start putting all that together, he intended to pass them by? After like up to 12 hours of them straining to get where they needed to go? So I just really wonder if that part of what the Father and Jesus talked about was, you know, Jesus, let's pull the curtain back a little bit more. Let's show a little bit more of your kingship. Let's show a little bit more of the power of the age to come breaking in. Let's, let's have you walk on the water. And the question I really think is, are they ready to see who you are? Will they see Jesus as who he is, Messiah, King, Son of God? And when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out. So, first of all, they did not recognize him. It's a, it's a ghost. It's an apparition. They were terrorized until Jesus got in a boat. When he got into the boat with them, the wind ceased. And they were utterly astonished. They were all together utterly astonished within themselves. Things had been rearranged within them mentally, emotionally, physically. They're, un- I would say they're, they're undone. And I believe that the hardening that was beginning to set in is beginning to soften. And they recognized Jesus for who he was. He's this, He's Messiah. He's king. He's the son of God. And then they landed in Gennesaret to begin a new day, renewed in heart with an approaching crowd who recognized Jesus and who hoped for demonstrations of the kingdom coming. So again, go back to the map. Maybe the next slide. Right there. All right, so they get in the boat here. Jesus goes up on the hill. Jesus can see out here. The story tells us that the, the wind kind of drives them out to the middle. They're trying to go there and out here for, you know, 12 hours, up to 12 hours. They're rowing, rowing. They're wanting to get there, rowing, rowing, rowing. We got to get there, we want to get there. And Jesus walks and they end up over here. And when they end up over there, the next morning, there's another crowd. There was a crowd for the 5,000. Now there's another crowd. So I think if, if I could just kind of bring it down to what they're learning and bring it into our lives. Recognizing Jesus for who he is is extremely important. Our faith doesn't make any sense if we do not recognize Jesus as Messiah, 
king and son of God. Now, recognizing him does not mean fully understanding that. I think it probably will take time and maybe all of our life for us to really understand in all the detail, Messiah, King, Son of God, what that means for me, what that means for us, what that means for our world. But there is this initial recognition, oh, you are Messiah. You are King You are son of God, and I'm going to relate to you. I'm going to recognize you, and I'm going to invite your activity in my life based upon that. And that's where I come back to the story. And maybe that's where these disciples missed that recognition of Jesus for who he was. Then I think about us, and maybe these are ways that we too can miss it. How do we at times trust in our own resources to meet the needs of the crowds around us rather than to give Jesus what we have and to trust him to multiply our little for many because he is Messiah, King, Son of God. Now the crowd around you may be your family. You know, I know our family is like increasing. It's like we have rabbits. You know, and there's, there's a point that you think, you know, We don't have the resources to feed all these mouths. And so do I get bitter about that? And do I just like cry out to God, I don't have enough to take care of my family? Or do I learn to recognize Jesus for who he is and to trust him to take my little, multiply it to take care of my crowd? Any of you that are business owners? How am I going to... I don't have enough resources to take care of the crowd that's working for me. When do we learn? Because Jesus is Messiah, King, Son of God, we can bring our little to Him, trust Him, and and He's going to take care of everybody in our company. When are we, like as a local church, when are we going to realize we can't pay for, we don't have the resources to pay for this? And realize, but we do, we have this, we can give this. Because Jesus is Messiah, King, Son of God. He will then multiply this and he will meet every need. I mean, you just can keep on going, but it's all based upon what? Acknowledging Jesus for who he is. Jesus is Messiah, King, Son of God. You give them something to eat. And the disciples snap back. Are are we to go and pay a million bucks to feed all these people? We don't have a million bucks. And Jesus said, well, what do you got? How many loaves you got? That's all I'm asking you. And then this, this second part, which we added. How many times... Do we need to come to an end of our own self-efforts in order to recognize who Jesus is? They were straining at the oars against an adverse wind. Have you, has anybody ever sat on a rowing machine? Like five minutes and you're done. <laughs> right? Rowing is hard business. These, they, it's like 12 hours. 
of, you know, wind against them can't get anywhere and they keep at it. I'm sure that they rotated. <laughs> Your turn. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they did that. But they just kept on, kept on. Until Jesus, Messiah, King, Son of God, stepped into the boat and the wind stopped and it changed their whole direction. My friends, as a community, we really have one message Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is King. Jesus is Son of God. That's our message. And how that message gets lived out in our individual families, in our community, in the cities and places we live. I mean, that's, that's, again, that's like the rest of our story and our life. But it starts with that acknowledgement. So this is what I want to ask. I want to ask us to be a bit vulnerable. Because I think those that follow Jesus can be vulnerable. I'm wondering if some of us are feeling that strain of, I don't have enough resource to take care of the responsibilities that I have. And with that sense of frustration... It hasn't dawned on you yet who you're related to. <laughs> and it's not your mom and your dad and your uncle. It's that you're related to Messiah, King, Son of God. So that's one. If you're feeling the lack of resource to take care of responsibilities but you haven't yet brought what you have to Jesus. The other is, does anybody feel like you're just rowing against an adverse wind? And like you might be a little exhausted by now. You're trying to get to the right place at the right time, but you just are rowing, 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 rowing. And again, in that exhaustion, in that effort, maybe you've forgotten who Jesus is. So here's the vulnerable place. If you are that person that feels like you're just, it's the strain of the lack of resource, I'm going to ask you to stand. Or if you're that person that feels like you're just straining at the oars and you're not getting anywhere, you're you're just, there's an adverse, adverse wind blowing against you, I'm going to ask you to stand. So if that's you, please stand up. Otto. Okay, thank you for being vulnerable. Now what I would like to invite is I'd like to invite two people. And y'all may need to move out a little bit so you give room. I'd like two people to come stand beside those that are standing. If you're standing, raise your hand, then we'll know. Because the more people we have, more people that are 
actually standing, we won't know. But if, if somebody's raising their hand, we want two people beside them. Okay, I'm just going to walk us through just a, a ministry time with one another, okay? So short prayer. Jesus, thank you that you have invited all of us to follow you. And thank you for this opportunity that some of us have to be vulnerable and to acknowledge that right now we're frustrated. We feel like we've come to the end of our resource. We feel like we've been straining, rowing, rowing, rowing against an adverse wind. And so here we are. And as we stand here with that confession, Holy Spirit, come. Come. Orchestrate this time of ministry to care for those that we love. So those of you that are in need, I just ask you, just, just tell a little snippet. You don't have to tell the whole story, but tell, tell a little bit about your circumstance, enough for the people that are standing there, kind of get an idea of how they can pray for you. So some of you have already started, which is good. So let me interrupt. Once the story's told, enough. If you have enough, then you just want to start praying uh, for that friend that you're standing with. Uh, for those of us that uh, are not in, involved in this, you're welcome to pray. You're welcome to um, say goodbye. This is we're going to just pray for folks. That'll be kind of the end of our time together. And thank you for our morning together. Once you're finished praying, then remember to get your kids. And hug your friends. So thank you. Amen.